Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 99 of TapCaf Transmissions. I am one of your hosts, Corey, joined by, you're never going to guess this one, the other host of TapCaf Transmissions, Mr. Eckhart Slatter. How are you doing, Justin? I'm good. Very glad to be joining you on this uh, Wayne Gretzky of podcast episodes. Wow, that's, uh, we're already into the NHL talk. Mm-hmm. After after the response to the to the Jedi Academy episode, you'd think we <laughs> we wouldn't go off topic quite so fast, but uh, this you miss one hundred percent of the NHL shots you don't take. That's true. That's where the that podcast shots. That's where that quote comes from. Podcasting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Wayne was Wayne was real big into podcasting between <laughs> absolutely just destroying the NHL. Good for him. That's why they called him the Great One. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight this is episode ninety nine, so. Uh, it's not a book episode. It's primarily a Q&A episode. We've got a bunch of emails that have been sent in that I have uh, gathered a bunch of questions from, so I'm going back a few episodes. Uh, but we're also going to talk a little bit about the first 99 episodes of the podcast, look back at the Bantam era, because we are moving into mm-hmm. the Delray era. doesn't mean there won't be any Bantam stuff coming up. There's still a few books we have to go back and read. But Yuzan Vong, is a, it's a big jump in uh, Star Wars progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey. It's been so what ninety nine, pretty much two years. Yeah, I'd say because we've missed more than five weeks. Yeah, so we've been doing this for over two years. Still no intro song. I have been reaching out to people finally. Um, I'll be curious to see where the next ninety nine bring us. Whether how we've changed the format, um, whether I've finally decided to ditch your ass or vice versa. Um, but yeah, any any really fun memories? Anything you think about when you think of the first nine episodes? Uh, not really. I think it's all been pretty subpar so far. But uh, there are the two episodes that we don't count because they were about like uh, I think we did one on like EA Play, and there was the there were two like gaming related episodes that we had uh, Mark from Templin on that we don't count towards the actual. Mm-hmm. episode count so this could be seen as episode 102 but we don't we don't see yeah that. i gotta go through because itunes i think has some of those for some reason like the yeah. numbering on itunes is a bit weird so i gotta go through and delete two of them just so the numbers <laughs> sync up um but yeah for me when i think of the first nine episodes i think of like all the nights where like i've drastically been behind where i need to be on like book reading so i'm just like Lying on my couch, just like trying to tackle some <laughs> fucking Star Wars book from like mid nineteen ninety five, just like, <laughs> or just like it, I, the Rogue Squadron books. For some reason, I end up crushing a lot of those in one night yeah. while like walking or something. And yeah, that's kind of what I think about, especially when we were doing it one one book weekly, which was a lot. I think like the highlights have been some of the, like the guest episodes as well, though. Mm-hmm. So we've had yeah. Star Wars explained on a few times. The first one for that is chill. One of the yeah, I, I mean you don't have to bring your drama up on onto this podcast, but it's not my drama. <laughs> He's the shill. <laughs> we're just joking. People are going to take this seriously, but yeah, yeah, we, but we're just joking. We were very drunk with him last week. <laughs> we were also yeah. very drunk with him on his first podcast appearance. So <laughs> yeah, we have a problem. Uh, but yeah, so we had Alex on for for those episodes. We had Ilkin on, f- and we're going to have him on next week with Vector mm-hmm. Prime. We had mm-hmm. uh, Evil Bob the Bob or Andrew, Dr. Fullard oh, on yeah. for the that was a good episode. Star Wars Astronomy science episode, one. which I do yeah. think we got to do another another one of those. Yeah. I, th- I think he'd be up for it. 
maybe even get like I, some i don't know how much like I, the, the problem is we've kind of ran through all the science that does exist well he also so. does read star wars stuff so as a former guest mm-hmm. we because we talked about this a little bit off off the podcast we do talk off the off stream and off the podcast uh we shouldn't because that's content that we're just throwing down the drain but mm-hmm. i would personally personally Eck was very against this but i would like to get some more guests on for the njo episodes um, oh yeah i was super against that yeah, i was like he, that sounds like a terrible idea yeah but uh but yeah so that that could be a thing that we try to do a little bit more uh mm-hmm. i do want to get on top of you working on the the whole song situation i do want to get a better background or layout i think the the thing you were talking about that other podcasts use a lot like the auto layout kind of thing which is a background image that scales dynamically mm-hmm. is probably a better way to go yeah maybe what's extreme yards that's one thing that yeah. does that but yeah so on our end, we will definitely be trying to increase production. Some podcasts go fully, like they fully edit the audio out completely. So it's, I'm not sure if that would have really fit the way our podcast works, but maybe for intros and outros. Um, I've been doing things, I've been doing a bit more carefully, uh, careful work with sound editing lately. Okay. Um, like I now make sure that all the background noise is fully removed. I normalize the audio a bit more. I just do a bit more work now, kind of making the audio sound good and i think i think if you listen to our first episode especially where i think since then we've both upgraded mics as well um yeah it sounds a lot better i think i was using a snowball back then and uh now i'm on a a rode nt usb which i i do want to upgrade from because i could probably Mm -hmm. do better but uh the next stage is like going with the like the full xlr setup or like something that's not usb based anyway um We've kind of uh, more recently slid into more specific roles rather than, okay, this is your episode, this is mine. I've been doing more Mm -hmm. of the pre-production, you've been doing the post-production. It's been Mm -hmm. much smoother that way. Yeah, it has. It has. Um, Okay, so is there, I guess, is there one book? Because I've been thinking of things that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, is Is there one book that either caught you by surprise in a good or a bad way, one that you haven't read before? Like, what are some books... When you think of this podcast that kind of come to mind, I've got a few as well. I think we'll, there's one element of that that we'll probably both have a similar answer on. And MedStar was not one that I mm-hmm. expected to enjoy anywhere near as much as I did. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of become one of the highlights for us. So mm-hmm. MedStar is probably the biggest like difference in where I was expecting it to end up versus where it did end up in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because it's so recent that uh survivor's quest is kind of the opposite direction for me yeah but yeah medstar was definitely one for me too and i also have to say ronin was yeah, one yeah, that, that i was not expecting to like nearly as much as i did um i was hoping i would feel differently about the bane series than i did mm-hmm. because i was kind of famously not a fan of that but I guess for me, another one would be the Alphabet Squadron books, because I yeah. don't know if you remember, but I went in kind of really... I'd read Alphabet Squadron 1 once. I think the second came out as we were doing the podcast, um, or maybe before, but I was not excited at all. And then when I reread one, I actually ended up really loving it. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, like MedStar is the one that I had read before. MedStar and Survivor's Quest are the ones that I had read before and then had a very different opinion of afterwards. But I, I think... Uh, Alphabet Squadron is probably the biggest surprise that mm. I've had of just like no expectations going in, but it's definitely among my favorite Star Wars books just overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Let's take a look at what we have for our distribution here of, of our rankings. Uh, are there any other ones that, that kind of stand out for you? I just want to see the number we have. Um, there we go. I, I guess I wasn't surprised, but I was very pleased um, that I enjoyed the books that I thought I would like as much as I did. Like, there was a part of me, because it had been like a couple of years since I'd read Thrawn. It's like, do I still like this as much as I thought I did? And yeah, the Thrawn trilogy that is. Um, same with Plagueis. Like, I, I knew that I really loved that book. And of course, I still did really love it. Um, other than that, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's been... I guess Crystal Star is one that I liked more than I th yeah. thought I that I did last time I read it. I guess there are definitely a lot of them that we were kind of almost dreading going in, and then mm -hmm. like there were very few that were like At really right painful. Just, yeah, and I think for me another one in kind of the negative direction was the Jedi Academy trilogy, where I didn't have like the yeah. fondest memories of it, mm -hmm. but going back into it, it was another one that just didn't didn't do it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm totally there. Totally there as well, especially the third one. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, and then Young Jedi Knights was kind of another pleasant surprise where yeah. that one I'd only ever read as, as a kid. Um, and that was kind of, we've talked about this a bunch of times, that was one of my first introductions to the EU. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was, you know, probably 12. Um, so... So I was I was glad that I still enjoyed that so much, especially where those were ones we kind of crushed on a weekly basis. So there was yeah. a very real possibility of getting um, of getting uh, just tired of it. Yeah, that was also I think uh, either a low point for the podcast or high point of criticism for the podcast because they're very like there's not a lot that happened to the books. They're very straightforward, not a lot to discuss. So doing one episode at a time, that's where we had a lot of the digressions. And people mm -hmm. weren't super thrilled with with a lot of those. Mm -hmm. But looking at the ratings we have so far, we've each got five that we rated S and only mm -hmm. two that we rated at like the bottom tier. And I think even then okay. we've been kind of clear on like, that doesn't mean it's horrible. Just that like, if we're going to use yeah. the ranking scale, then there's going to be some Star Wars books that just end up on F. Yeah. Yeah, so you want to go over those, the, like the, the S's and the F's as well, just for context? Uh, Yeah, so for both of us, we gave Planet of Twilight an F, which... Uh, right. That was one I was not at all surprised yeah. with, because I remember hated, hated, hating that book. Yeah, and then for me, I gave Champions of the Force an F. You gave that a, a D. And mm -hmm. your other F is Children of the Jedi, which I gave a D. Right. Okay. Yeah, I really didn't like that book. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what about the S's? Uh, so our S's are a lot broader. So we both got Darth Plagueis as kind of the top of our S's. Heir to mm -hmm. the Empire, Dark Force Rising, um, Alphabet Squadron Victory's Price, Revenge of the Sith novelization, and do we have any? Nope. I think we both have the exact same S's right now. Okay. Cool. We got That's a little bit that. more difference in the middle, but we've been pretty consistent overall. Okay. That's interesting. I'm not necessarily surprised, especially we may have talked. We may have yeah. um, talked ourselves into it. <laughs> I think you've pushed up like when whenever we do the rankings, just the way you talk about the Thrawn trilogy ends up pushing me like one higher on at least one of them 
Mm-hmm. It's a problem I have. I'm very suggestible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think there have been a few maybe that have gone the other way too, where maybe your opinions lowered them on, lowered some for me. <laughs> you, you I just like them a lot. It really bothered me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, any other like high or low moments of the podcast for you generally? I remember one, one podcast I was really, I was like, I had a stomach bl- yeah. bug or something and I really need to crap my pants the whole time. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think I had to leave, but I think I had to kind of like message you and be like, end this early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were really sick for one of them. And then we, we ended it relatively early well actually i think that was at the time when a lot of the episodes were going two hours so i think we were like an hour and 15 in already when that Mm -hmm. happened so Mm -hmm. i think uh, we've tightened that up a little bit better but yeah we used to go really long for some of them some Um, of the early ones were like three hours yeah but is there a moment in any of the books that really stands out as being super memorable like a a top Uh. one or top five moments do you have any picked out? Because I got to think about that. I have. Uh, I've been kind of low key trying to keep track of the best death scenes ever since we talked about Ton Fannins. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I he's think, obviously the best. Yeah, that just stands out in general as like one of the better moments in any of the books. Mm-hmm. And even that, like some of the scenes towards the end of uh, Victory's Price, like mm-hmm. fell talking to her former boss, but. Yeah, um, really good moments. Uh, one that's memorable for me for some reason is um, when what's her name gets her arm cut off. Um, Leia, yeah, that was a weird. <laughs> no, um, why am I forgetting her name when I just said it's a memorable moment? In um, which book? In the Young Jedi Knights. Um, oh, Tenelka. Tenelka, yeah, when she gets her arm cut yeah. off. I don't know why. I find that to be a somewhat memorable moment. Huh. I mean, I'm it was pretty impactful like, on a character who plays a major role and never really, like, in a lot yeah. of Star Wars stuff, they they lose their arm and then, oh, look, you get a identical one put back on. And Tenel Ka is like, no, I'm sticking with this. So yeah. it has a lot of, uh, a lot of impact there. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of other kind of, when I think of Star Wars EU, what moments I think of. I think finding the, finding the Katana Fleet's always a pretty fun one. Um... Lando other, like, upholstery just... inspector. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is Republic Navy Blue, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of like any um, just like action scenes, I guess, that are like are memorable? For one, I always think of the Siege of Coruscant. Like when the shields are like up and there's like that one interdictor that's like ready to pull the fleet back if they don't get the message in time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the, the battle over Typhara is... Another big one that I think mm-hmm. is done really well. But I also literally just did a video on it, so it's kind of fresh for me. Yeah. So I'm probably a little biased there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also like people getting absorbed by Waru, which stands out mm-hmm. for less positive reasons. <laughs> yeah. But do you have... So before we get into the Yuuzhan Vong War, do you want to call your shot on any Fs or Ss, like any predictions you have based on prior readers where you think you're gonna if you're gonna do like top, top i feel like them. the one where they revisit the, the sea ruby is going okay. to be kind of low for me um like and i'm i know that i'm gonna have a real tough time with the names as well like i never remember i always remember the storylines but I, I never really remember the names of the books um that's force heretic uh refugee yeah it's 
I can never remember the third Force Heretic book name. Also, I think the one where they go to Coruscant might end up being a low for me. Oh, the Star Wars um, book where they go to Coruscant? Yeah, that really narrows it down. No, the one where like Coruscant's under Vaughn control and they basically take like the ODST drop yeah. pod in. And I then think they that's find, the same um, book. Is it? And then they yeah. find, uh, what's his name? Uh, and he's a cyborg. Yeah, they find the Dark Jedi guy. Yeah, Lord Nyax. Yeah. And he's uh, the guy from Children of the Jedi. Yeah. it That... I read the Yuzon Vong War books relatively recently, and that mm-hmm. like does stand out to me as like a super weird moment. But I think a, ha- a high for me may actually be. No, it's been a long time since I've read this one, and I I think because of just how how like different it is compared to whatever what came before, Vector Prime may end up being a, a high for me. So it's kind of exciting that you're being introduced to this new enemy. Yeah. Um. But I, I enjoyed how the series ended, so the last few books should be pretty good, and Star by Star is always a highlight. And um, and the... I think Traitor's going to be an S for me. Traitor. And what's the one where uh, the Lusankia... Uh, is, is that? No, all the Lusankia stuff. Um, it, I think it is, isn't it? Like, both the... With the Lusankia, for one, it bombards yeah, the bomb, yeah. and it's, they drive uh, it into the yeah. world ship. Because it's Stackpole. I always get Stackpole yeah. and Austin mixed up for them. So I think Austin did Dark Tide and mm. Stackpole did Edge of Victory. Yeah. So. Yeah. So those should be good. Uh, those should be good. And I'm excited to read the comics as well because I've never, I haven't read mm-hmm. all of the comics. I've read the first. I forget. It's it's Invasion and there's, I think, three or four different arcs. And I've read yeah. the first one, but not all of them. That'll probably be one of the ones where it's uh, it's useful for us to have those off weeks. We can actually tie it in, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think totally. there's a few short stories, too. There's, like, Elysia with setting mm-hmm. up the Peace Brigade. So there's a few short stories that can mm-hmm. fit in in between all this. So it's going to be a lot of Vong for the next year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. A long time. Um yeah, so that, that's that's for me. What about you? Any any other kind of sleepers or the opposite? Uh, I can never remember if I really like or really hate Dark Journey, so I'm kind of curious to get back to that <laughs> one. Uh, I think it's they're saying you got it backwards, by the way, in chat. Is oh Stackpole did Dark Tide? Okay, yeah, I guess so. I don't know, but uh, we'll get there yeah. in weeks from now. <laughs> it's right. I can see if I can make it out on my webcam right now, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Star by Star is one that always kind of has a, a special place for me because it is one of the first Star Wars books that I that I read and that I remember mm-hmm. reading. And yeah. it does it has such a big impact on everything that comes after and like retroactively impacts so much of everything that came before. Like you, mm-hmm. Anakin dies, Jason starts his dark journey, Jaina starts her dark journey. Uh, that... It's just, it's just so long, though. And I don't, like, mm-hmm. from my last time reading it, I don't think I left with the impression that it needed to be as long as it was. Like, there's a lot of running around in the same 10 square feet of the world ship. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're even yeah. on the world ship until about 200 or 300 pages in. So mm-hmm. uh, that'll definitely be an interesting one to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get into viewer questions? Anything you'd like to to do for the podcast or anything yeah. else. I, I think one thing that I would like to do is get more segments and yeah. like, uh, cause I like how we talk about news at the beginning usually. Um, so yeah, I'd like to definitely get more 
kind of segments that would become a normal part of the show as well. So yeah, one thing that I did want to run by you, which I could have asked you off the off the podcast, but I thought it would be more fun to do it this way for some reason, is mm-hmm. if we had a segment that was kind of like awards of some kind, since we have so many books we've read for now. Like if they mm-hmm. if we got a few categories and then did one of the off episodes trying to uh, basically figure out some of those most memorable moments, but with a bit more forethought and planning, maybe get some viewer submitting categories of like yeah. best battles or uh, MVP authors or something. <laughs> yeah, no, sounds sounds good to me. I'm down. So that could be a thing oh, we yes. can we can work on. But there are mm-hmm. a few questions that were that we get kind of regularly. There are a few that we got in the last week or so uh, uh, that yes. are specifically asking about uh like if we'll get to specific books uh so mm-hmm. just to get to that before we get to the other questions the the general answer to that is we'll get to it at some point or the plan is to mm-hmm. get to them at some point it's just beyond what we have planned for the njo uh it's really hard for us to say when that'd be for anything in particular mm-hmm. yeah we we typically don't really plan super in advance but we there's no book as of yet that I can think of anyway, or no piece of media um, that we've said no to outright for any reason. Unless I have to go back to that weird starwars.com article about incest. (laughs) I'm I'm good to read it again or for a first time or whatever. And we've also talked about, and I think we do still plan to um, talk about non star Wars things occasionally as well. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think we will eventually get to a halo book at some point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we we should, uh, if it's there, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, and like with uh, TV shows coming up or even going back and reviewing, not reviewing, but like covering individual arcs maybe of former TV <laughs> shows. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we... Yep. So I tried to collect as many of the questions that were sent in email as possible. Uh, and I did try to make sure we'd get to at least one from anyone who sent a question in. Uh, so there mm. were a few people who had a couple questions. We're going to try to go through uh, one from everyone first, then we'll kind of go back through and see if there's anything. There were also a few people who had like kind of similar questions, so I, I kind of prioritized it based on that. But uh, but yeah. And mm. we'll also try to do some, some questions in chat too. But we'll start off with some of the email ones. And I will also check if any have been sent in. Uh, there has been one email sent in uh, from people who want to offer us food. So not a question. Sorry, HelloFresh. We'll get to yours eventually. Uh, but our first question comes in from Joel, who asks, How do you feel Vision of the Future works as a send-off to the Bantam Era? Do you think the few seeds it sets up are ordered in NJO, or does NJO really take things its own direction? Which is fitting for Zun, who kicked off the Bantam Era to be the one who ends it. What you miss about the Bantamera novels? I think we might have answered this last time. I don't. Yeah, I think we covered that we? pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So the we'll go down to Joel's next question, which is cut it out, editor, cut it out. How do you think the Star Wars expanded universe would have evolved if James Lucino and not Tim Zahn had kicked things off? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't even know if James Lucino was writing books in 1991 <laughs> and two. Um. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm sure he would have done a good job. I just, like, they both kind of have similar qualities in that Timothy Zahn obviously borrowed a lot of what he did really well from things like the, the RPG guides and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and James Lucino is obviously pretty happy to reference other works when he does stuff. So yeah, I, I think, um, I, th I think it would have been good either way, to be honest. Yeah. Like James Lucino is obviously a, a good author in his own right, but I think the thing that James Lucino does best is, or like the thing that sets him apart from other, uh, other of the good star Wars authors is that he does incorporate so much from other places. So you don't really mm -hmm. benefit from that if he's the first one to do it. Uh, yeah, and I also don't think that anybody writes as good. In my opinion, anyone has written a Star Wars like story that feels so much of like the movies as the yeah. original Thrawn trilogy. Like that's why it's so good because you know if you're a fan of the movies, average movie enjoyer, Star Wars fan, <laughs> and you read the books, like it feels like a movie. Um, and it's very compelling. And, like, there are major issues, or at least issues with the Thrawn trilogy, and there are also things that, like, Plagueis does better, but I think that it's the best story. Yeah. Like, Thrawn is the most compelling villain. There's a reason why he's paraded back every decade. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, like, it, as an entry point for there being a Star Wars expanded universe, there's definitely an appeal that uh, Zahn is able to bring from the movies that Lucino might not have been able to do quite as well yeah uh so our next question comes so james lucino was definitely writing in the 90s so he's 75 so yeah well yeah <laughs> our next question comes from justin I mean, he wrote yeah sorry he wrote some in the new jedi order as well yeah well he originally wasn't even supposed to write in the njo he was supposed to be like the overseer for it which is kind of interesting <laughs> but yeah. Justin says, I am curious as to what was in the storehouse that Felia didn't want getting out. I'm assuming Zan didn't have an idea for it at the time, but it might have been become the Kamas document. When I finished yeah. the last command, the only thing I was thinking of, I want more. And honestly, the ending to that felt like the scene right before a confession scene in a romance novel. So Zan was surprised that people put Luke and Mary together. He has only himself to blame. I'm pretty sure it outright says, I think I have this in my note, I think it outright says in uh, Vision of the Future that it or uh, Spectre of the Past, that it is the Kamas document that he was reading about getting out. Doesn't he? Doesn't it? Don't they already say it when they're talking to Phalia? Uh, yeah, it, it turns into that, but like, I think it was. I'm sure he didn't know at the time. Yeah, not in like the the original uh, Thrawn mm -hmm. trilogy. Like, it was definitely just a thing that Timothy Zahn set up as like, oh, I could return to this later, or this could just be kind of like the ring in uh, in the Hobbit. Yeah, I mean, uh, he may have had, like, he may have known that it was going to be something related uh, to the species, but I, I doubt he kind of knew exactly what yeah. it was going to be. But it's always it's always smart to, to throw future threads for yourself. To, yeah. So have an excuse to write another book, basically. Yeah, give yourself something to play with later. Yeah. Our next question comes from Christopher who asks, with how wildly out of chronological order the Bantam books were published, which characters or plot lines do you feel suffered because of the lack of planning and timelines crisscrossing? Mm. I personally feel that Zon's, or that Zinj's death in his debut, the depiction of Pelian's Imperial Remnant before the Thrawn duology, and Mera's complete lack of presence in the Young Jedi Knight and Junior Jedi Knight novels are the biggest Yeah, cases. those are good ones. Yeah, for me, it would be... I, I think Talon Card probably could have gotten a more interesting... Mm -hmm. in like more compelling handling I, I think the the biggest issue though is the lack of kind of a, an overarching threat other than the empire yeah. especially where it's like not the empire under pelion it's like this 
part of the empire versus this version of the empire versus this version of the empire. Um, I think maybe that could have been done in a more interesting way. Um, but it also gets us lots of really fun kind of one-off stories, which I also do enjoy. So I don't know whether I would personally change it, but yeah. the Mara one is obvious, I, I think, because she's really not there for a long time. Yeah. And it could have been interesting to see kind of her and Luke more reasonably and slowly falling in love rather than we're going to drown. Let's get married. Yeah, there's a mix of like of just stuff, information not being available or them all being written at the same time that causes stuff to kind of overlap or just authors that don't want to play with each other's stuff or don't want others to play with their stuff, which is like the the Dark Empire, the Thrawn trilogy is the biggest, uh, the biggest example there. But uh, there is a, a kind of connected question that Danklord asked about uh, basically the New Jedi Order with this, saying, I think it would have been cool to see some of Luke's students trying to deal with things like the Black Fleet Crisis or Corellian Crisis during their early days when they're even less established than cool. NJO. And I think that yeah. is kind of the biggest thing that suffers is the New Jedi Order, mm-hmm. where we know it's a thing that Luke has going on in the background, but outside of uh, outside of the Jedi Academy trilogy, it's just... It's just a thing that Luke references that he's abandoned for however long yeah. to go and do random shit. And most of those characters don't really come up in many places until NJO, partially because of how it was all written, partially because mm-hmm. of some of those uh, authors not really wanting to play with uh, with Streen very much for some reason. Uh, but Just rude. Yeah, like seeing more involvement from some of those characters or if it was developed now with the idea that like these expanded universe continuities are more of a thing that people expect to be connected, like you'd get with your Marvels or your current day Star Wars. Uh, I do think that would look fairly different. There'd be more exposure to some of those characters and more consistency with some of those characters. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think that's well said. Is there anyone else? Like maybe some of uh, Luke's romantic partners beyond Mara as well. Like there'd be less competition there and some of them might've been, just not just like fridged after their initial appearance. <laughs> yeah, that that could have been good. Um, but I mean, a lot of those like Callista or not Callista, um, Gariel, for example, was or no, I I, I can't remember. I guess wasn't um, wasn't Trusa Bakura written pretty early? So like yeah, so like Gariel, like they could have picked up on her had they wanted to. Yeah, and they, uh, yeah, they did pretty soon. Like, Corellian Trilogy, as far as when it was written after Trusa Bakura, mm-hmm. was quite soon. It was only a two years or something. Yeah, I think it was 93 to, or 93 to 95, maybe. Yeah, so it's maybe 94 even. So, it like, Gariel mm-hmm. gets introduced, she tells Luke she's not interested, and then she dies, like, right mm-hmm. after. And that, that yeah. does leave a lot of time in between that Gariel could have shown up, though, Uh had she ever left Bakura, but I, even the Corellian trilogy basically implies that they haven't really seen each other in 10 years anyways. Yeah. So yeah. it's not many yeah. options there, but if it had been written more in chronological order, then that yeah, would like, like if, if they had written, you know, a book two years after, then, you know, Gariel could have been brought up without it. You know, if you don't see someone for two years, they might still be single. If you haven't seen them for 15 years or 10 years and they're still single, it's like, okay, like, has nothing changed in your life basically yeah. or it's not even being single it's just like if your life hasn't changed at all in two years it's like okay but if it hasn't changed in 10 years it's like what's going on yeah so anyways more talking about star wars for us in our 30s now 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I also it's Corey's birthday today. It is Corey's birthday, birthday, Corey. Thank you. Corey's thirty, like I am. We're old and disgusting. Yeah. Thanks. I gotta warn you. Once you turn thirty, your injuries just stop healing. Well, that's basically they slow over I, I, your late twenties. I'm already. I hurt my back in the gym, and I I think it's just like this forever. Yeah, that's why I just don't go to the gym. <laughs> I did buy myself a birthday present, an elliptical bike that I just got mm. right over there. As I need to be a little bit more exercisey, so. Kelsey did the same thing for me. She bought me a Peloton, and then I'm like, "Where are you going?" She's like, "I'm gonna go use the Peloton." What do you mean? <laughs> like, oh, you bought me a Peloton, did you? <laughs> and yeah. that was also my joint birthday and Valentine's Day gift. I don't know. I mean, I bought that for myself. It's not Dana pretending that she got it for me, but she has used it a lot as well. So, did she get you anything? Uh, she's making me a pie tomorrow. That's my wife and I don't really usually do. I'm just joking. We don't usually do gifts. Like, yeah. we don't give each other anything. So. Uh, Ayo, Jim, let him in, let him in. Riders I wonder how much it would cost to license the Riders on the Storm Snoop Dogg Feet the Doors remix. As the, the podcast theme song? <laughs> yeah. I I wouldn't hate it, but I don't think... <laughs> I wouldn't hate it at all. Which, which I think NJO the question book? is how long, away could we, how long could we get away with it? I mean, if Snoop Dogg can stream for 24 hours without his mic on, then... <laughs> I, I think the best... One for Rogers on the Storm, anything involving the uh, the Twin Suns Starfighter Squadron. I just feel like Rogers on the Storm. Well, which NJO book should we get Snoop Dogg as a guest for? Oh. Dank Journey? Definitely one one involving the, the Vornskers, because they're the most dog-like creatures. Yeah. So Star by Star with Snoop Dogg, you heard it here first? Yep. Uh... Yep. Our next question that we'll get to, this is actually one that I think we might have gotten to on the on the Survivor's Quest and Vision of the Future episodes a little bit, but what do you guys think of the idea of Thrawn still being around in the form of a clone post-Survivor's Quest? Maybe as a way to show that the Thrawn trilogy Thrawn and the Outbound Flight Thrawn were the same, as he could explain better his change from the seemingly good Thrawn to the corrupted by the Empire fascist Thrawn. Could have provided so a how does that Jag explain that? Like there's been... Is he suggesting that there's been two around the whole time, or? Well, I think he's. They're suggesting that like Thrawn could explain the change somehow, but I think it's just. Oh, okay. I, I don't know that. We, I think that's a little too meta. Yeah, I don't think Thrawn would really uh, get too much of it, and like the Sand kind of Thrawn, tries to do it now? in the Ascendancy trilogy. And I think both of our responses to it was like, no, nah, not landing for me. Yeah, where the general is like something changed in Thrawn after that battle, and nothing had actually changed in Thrawn after that battle. There wasn't anything <laughs> special about it. Yeah, so. I think Thrawn's like he's like I didn't have my Snickers today. Because Timothy Zahn has actually uh, you're real fascist when you don't eat your Snickers. <laughs> no one's themselves when they're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Did we just solve Star Wars? <laughs> I think we just solved war. Well. <laughs> Someone call Putin quick! <laughs> That's not joking. Uh, no, that's not but, like, Timothy Zahn did, like, interviews before the reboot of how he'd love to write a, a, a book about, like, Ben Skywalker teaming up with, with a clone of Thrawn to solve something that only uh, Thrawn could mm-hmm. solve and then the clone having to deal with the fact that he's not really Thrawn. So... I don't. I don't. I feel like any future appearances of Thrawn 
weren't going to examine like, hey, you kind of sucked 10 years ago. It would have leaned more into the outbound flight. <laughs> what do you mean I genocided a whole species because I couldn't understand their art? That wasn't me. Yeah, I, yeah, that's kind of similar to like, that just sounds like one of those ideas that was just kind of thrown around. Um, like how George Lucas apparently had that idea for like an episode seven video game where it's like Ben Skywalker does something it's just like they're just throwing around names or like he had the or like he would have just taken uh what's her name from legacy um darth talon yeah. because she's a sexy red twi'lek like character with mall it's like yeah because yeah, why not like <laughs> i'm sorry yeah, george like, but you you killed mall off twice yeah well, yeah he got better yeah uh, yeah so our next question that we'll get to comes from Matrix, who asks, instead of asking a basic question of Star Wars, I want to ask the big question. What inspired you guys to make a Star Wars-themed book club podcast? I think we pretty much had the idea right from the start. Yeah. Um, because we, we got along really well, and I think we both probably... Every, I think, 26, 27-year-old man, especially white men who think like just generally people want to listen to them have the idea of starting a podcast so we're both the same age so i imagine that like yeah. biological <laughs> urge that's like in your dna sometimes hit us at the same time we were probably streaming together or something yeah like in prior generations people would talk about like settling down in their late 20s having some kids uh <laughs> with our generation that's like settling down and having a podcast yeah uh, so that's basically what we did like so we did the the podcast no one's ever seen before where it's um slightly skinny guy and slightly fat guy start a podcast <laughs> together and don't edit it that much and <laughs> you know what people need our opinions yeah but like we we started talking about like when we first met we started we were just talking about like hey can i have a a demo version of thrawn's revenge slash ascendancy uh and here we fucking go i know where this is going go ahead no I, i'm not i'm not gonna tell that part Okay. I, I got. I forgot about that. I, I gotten over it. No, you fucking didn't. I, I seriously, I had no idea where you were going with that until you finished. But uh, I, I no, I'm not even gonna say it. But okay. we went into like from there. We started. I forgot to about, credit him on the video that I put out, or I forgot to link to his to the mod and his, on the video. And he asked me twice, and I forgot both times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then we started talking about like YouTube channels we watched and just other star wars crap and then we mm -hmm. had like a, a four hour call so yeah we played yeah, out yeah the that's right right after that so it, it was basically mm -hmm. it, it was just a way to monetize these conversations that we should have been having anyways we've not monetized this podcast yeah well, i've not made um anything. other than i was uh, a donation right now by him from silver Alexis. so there you go. <laughs> yeah that's true i was um i was I think my biggest inspiration was the Star Wars Minute podcast. It's the only yeah. podcast, only Star Wars podcast I've ever listened to. Um, and basically what they do, and I want to be on there. There's That's also the only, like, well, I'd, I'd be on lots of podcasts, but that's, like, the one Star Wars podcast that, like, I would really want to be on. Um, and what they do is they break down Star Wars minute by minute. So they'll, they'll have one episode dedicated to a minute of Star Wars. 
Uh, and it ends up being really interesting because the episodes aren't usually too long. Like they'll go, you know, 20 or 30 minutes or if it's something, you know, mm-hmm. bigger, but they have really interesting guests. And I was just thinking, Oh, I'd like to, you know, it's cool to hear people talk about stuff they like. So I thought it'd be cool to do that with, uh, the books instead. Yeah. Like I was kind of looking for, I hadn't started a lore channel yet. I was only doing the gaming stuff. Oh uh, yeah. I, for, and, I always forget that. Uh, like when we started talking, I, I had started Datapad mm-hmm. by the time we started the podcast, but I was kind of looking for more of a reason to uh, to go back and read the books again. So because mm-hmm. uh, like it's useful for researching for videos and stuff. And I, I really struggle without having like exterior motivation for doing certain things. Not that I don't enjoy doing them for their own sake, just that it's hard for me to justify spending the time mm-hmm. on it. So like playing video yeah. games reading uh books that i'd like even if i'd really love the book it is is a kind of thing that where i'd go oh it would be great if i had time for this so it was for me kind of a way to make me actually do that yeah no i i totally get that especially the more busy you get it's hard to yeah. it's basically just justification uh, so yeah i get that uh <laughs> so our next question comes from Garrett, who asks, I've been wondering how age affects Star Wars characters' combat skills and overall skills. It doesn't. Next question. Uh, would Yoda have beaten or done better against Palpatine if he were 400 years younger, or someone like Dooku if he'd have been 43 instead of 83? Um, Star Wars doesn't, like... We follow the solos until they get in their 70s. We follow lots of characters as they get older... And aside from characters get better as they turn like to their twenties, I don't think there's any evidence that characters get any yeah. less skilled as they get older. Um, yeah. yeah, like maybe Yoda when he was on his deathbed in Episode Five wouldn't have. Yeah, been quite as That's good, right. but like, I think the we do have evidence because like the uh, the little duel in Episode Four compared to Episode Three, where they're. <laughs> Yeah, but they're just true. out of practice, or Obi Wan's just out of practice. So, yeah, but yeah. Beyond that, like Dooku at eighty three was still considered like the best duelist in the galaxy. So I-, I don't think he was really out of his prime yet. Yeah, totally agree. So our next question is from Seamus, who asks if you could choose. What new stories in the Legends continuity would you want? For me, I would love a Sword of the Jedi as well. I think it'd be really interesting to see a prequel novel in NJO covering the Vong's early preparations for the invasion and Shimra slash Enemy's coup against Coriol. I've always been intrigued by the little information we get in NJO about Coriol and the Quirilist, the Quirilists, and I think there's potential for a great novel about the topic. Anyway, have a great day and keep up the fantastic work. Yeah, I would have liked... I don't know if I want to necessarily limit it to just any one thing, but I would have liked generally to see more kind of... Once stories are kind of set up, uh, like once you have the uh, New Jedi Order, you have whatever else. I would have liked to see more stories kind of set in the pre-established conflicts or time periods, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like an, uh, a pre-invasion Vong uh, thing could have been cool. A book set during Dark Empire, I would have really liked that. Um yeah. Yeah, a book setting set during Dark Empire to flesh out some of what's going on would be uh would be cool. Mm-hmm. Well the actually the Dark Empire source book is really good for that, but something that's more narrative. Uh um, yeah. 
One thing that I do really wish we got is some explanation of how, uh, like, some series about the uh, Confederacy rejoining the Galactic Alliance. Because mm-hmm. they, they must at some point, and then they just don't. Yeah. I guess that'll be probably... It might be, be uh, Andor will deal with that a bit in canon. Uh, I mean, like, the, the post-Andor, or the second Confederacy. Oh, sorry. I, 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 yeah, okay. I thought you meant the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Yeah, because they they leave off Fate of the Jedi, and they're still their own faction. And then you get mm-hmm. to Legacy, and they're not anymore. So yeah, I, I would like to see just I like I would like sort of the Jedi. I would have just liked to see kind of more of that as just generally. Um, yeah, I mean, something that is kind of depressing is that like the the New Jedi Order has been destroyed like twice in each continuity so far we end with the jedi order just done because <laughs> like mm-hmm. legacy it ends with it completely collapsed again there's mm-hmm. so many jedi purges that happen but mm-hmm. so more rebuilding after legacy would be would be cool as well yeah totally agree uh okay so for our next question oscar wants to know from the evidence that keeps piling up it would seem that Disney Plus shows are perhaps all pointing towards some sort of canon Thrawn trilogy remake. So should this be the case, would you guys prefer that the shows culminate in a crossover that's a limited series, like six or more episodes, with a medium-sized budget like The Mando or Boba? Or would you prefer a two- to three-hour film with a very high budget like the sequels? Mm, I don't know. Um, Maybe a movie, I guess. I like if if they can set the groundwork in TV shows. I think a movie would be cool. I just don't think that's necessarily reasonable. Um, yeah, to expect. I think between those choices, like a six episode series or a two to three hour movie, I'd probably rather have the movie because then uh, mm-hmm. they don't have to do as much setup within different episodes because you end up with about as much relevant runtime there. Yep. And if you can have a higher budget on it, why not? Yeah, it's just there's stuff you can do in movies that they still can't really do in tv shows without the rest of the season suffering just money wise yeah and like marvel has already shown that at least disney as a whole is willing to do more connections between shows building up to movies the one limiting factor there is that uh you can't necessarily assume everyone watching the movie has seen the show so well stuff can build up towards it uh tv shows can be more reliant on the fact that okay you already know what this is uh whereas like especially with star wars movie that's kind of the, the big blockbuster thing they're expecting a lot of people to come in having no prior information so let's mm-hmm. and it is nice seeing like a bunch of the different directors or writers kind of come in and have their own take on things or getting people like uh bryce dallas howard who probably wouldn't have been tapped to direct a movie if they had been doing what their original mm-hmm. plan seemed to be of like movies all the time but yep. with shows being what they've been doing, she's done a great job and has probably put herself up there as someone who will get to do a lot more in Star Wars, which is great. Yeah, totally agreed. Well said. I, I like the idea of, you know, testing them out in the shows first and then. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's let uh, Dave Filoni get a lot more practice with live action directing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely uh, needs the, the time. But our next question comes from Ashley who says, I recently binged the Clone Wars series on Disney Plus for the first time. Some's good, not so, some not so much, but it does have a lot of setup uh, for what comes De- later. Definitely true. 
My two boys have not seen it yet and would like some suggestions on what episodes arcs I could show them as an abridged version so we can get into the Bad Batch and Rebels. Ooh, I'm the wrong guy to ask for that. Uh, that's basically asking best Clone Wars arcs. There, well, there's especially a lot setting you can... up for for Bad Batch and Rebels, not necessarily just like the best quality ones, but ones that I might don't be think most you really need to watch because it, it's tough. So like for Rebels, I guess the main thing would be like who Ahsoka is, yeah. Um, because I don't think there there is episodes like with the Sindulas, but I don't think they add a lot really, yeah. um, like a lot of context to what's going on in Rebels, like. Hera is somebody who had a family who opposed the Empire. Um, is basically all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, and you don't even really get that in Clone Wars. So I, I'd probably watch a few arcs about... Um, like, I think the Ryloth arc would be a good one to watch. Like, the Siege of Ryloth, because that shows kind of early... Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, that just kind of shows early stuff with the Jedi. And I guess Ryloth is important as uh, like just as a whole... Um. Yeah, I I don't know. Like season seven season as a whole seven, is yeah. kind of important there. Then I think there's uh the first appearances of like Echo. Uh, yeah, might be good. Like his capture. I forget what exact arc it is, but that's probably mm-hmm. a good one to watch for. Because uh, like Echo doesn't get enough mm-hmm. fleshing out in Bad Batch. So if you want to kind of give them an understanding of who he is. Uh, he's a more interesting character if you have his background and like how he gets to be yeah. where he is. Because uh, you get the rescue yeah, the in whole, season seven, but the whole arc of that of that group is good. Um, the, I guess the thing I was trying to say too is this: the Caesar Ryloth. I think that's the one that has Ahsoka kind of not listening to Anakin, right? And hmm. I believe she ends up getting uh, she ends up fucking up the mission. So that's a good one, kind of show how she was early on, and then you could watch something like. I don't know. Um, the arc where she leaves the Jedi Order. Where she's expelled the Order. Yeah, yeah that would be a good one. The, I guess that's a Coruscant bombing arc. Um, so I think those would be good. Um, there is honestly, like, a lot of the Clone Wars is kind of self-contained and skippable and provides more context to kind of the Clone Wars rather than what comes after. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of a whole lot else. And for the Bad Batch, it's really, you only need to watch their four episodes, really. You can watch a bit more if you want to know more about Echo, but... You can throw in, like, the Onderon stuff if you want. Sagarera shows up in both shows after that as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's also not necessarily the most uh, kid-friendly, I guess. I mean, it's all pretty kid-friendly, but, like, it's it's some of the darker stuff with with Saw. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I, I think the season seven is kind of the if you want to keep yeah. it relatively limited definitely season seven because it yeah i think season seven's a good point and then if you if you want to go back further than that watch the ahsoka bits and then if you want to kind of look at even more i would just look at generally like there's some arcs that are kind of seen as being the best um like i, I like the 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 mortis arc is one that's pretty fun mm-hmm. uh self-contained and there's lots of kind of little stuff like that I like the Senate murders arc, but that's completely irrelevant to everything else. <laughs> yeah, they keep, those are the ones that I think got like the most out of order. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Senate murders one I really messed up. There's a few that I think are just awful too, like the Mon Calamari arc. I really don't like that one. Mandalorian arc is probably good to to watch for like Rebels and then for uh, for Mandal- the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Like any of the episodes yep. with Satine there. Yep. 
Uh, the next question comes from Aaron, who says, Do you think we'll ever get a full-fledged Clone Wars-style animated series that features Luke, Han, and Leia in stories in post-Endor? Seems like this, even more than live-action, would be a great way to explore their years between the OT and the sequels, and especially the story of Kylo's upbringing. I don't think so. Um, I, d I don't think so, because I feel like, just from a uh, practical sense, they've kind of, like... We know the end point of those characters. Like, there's only so much story they can tell. I think they'd rather spend their time kind of with characters like the Bad Batch mm -hmm. or just others who, like, there's lots of story left that they can tell. Um, they can build towards something. So I, I don't think so. I think they'll probably kind of relegate that to novels, most likely. Novels, and then if they want to do something that's, like, showy with it, it seems like that's the kind of thing, like, stories about those characters that would get a little bit more prominence and done in live action with deep fakes or something yeah but, yeah uh it, it just seems i don't know you the idea of having like a lucon and leia animated show almost seems weird to me i could see them being like background characters in a show about kylo like i could mm. see that being more of a thing rather than something focused on them so the the kylo upbringing thing i think is the most likely way for that to happen mm. but yeah that makes sense Especially when he's eventually revived. We all know it's going to happen. Come on. <laughs> we just... Did you miss the scene at the end of Rise of Skywalker where it zooms in on his body and he get the inhale? <laughs> yeah, the blinking light on his chest. <laughs> the, the Kylo Ren and Cad Bane buddy cop comedy. <laughs> we both should be dead. Then Darth Maul's legs as well. <laughs> That, that's something that Star Wars hasn't explained. For all that Darth Maul has been brought back, it's always the upper body. Where's his lower body? At? Yeah. Yeah. Where's the where's the Sith Wiener hanging out? Yeah. Where's the where's the animated show where it's General Grievous's upper body put on Darth Maul's legs? <laughs> Through my Sith magic. <laughs> and your Zabrak testicles. <laughs> uh, the f next question comes from Adam, who says, Dark Greetings... Has there ever been any explanation as to why Lucasfilm has chosen not to bring in some of the older Legends authors like Lucina or Denning? I can understand wanting to add new blood into the franchise, and I love Claudia Gray's work, but it feels like Lucasfilm is trying to distance themselves from its previous writers altogether. Um, I think there's maybe a few things. Um, I think it's possible one thing is money. Yeah. Uh, where, like, Denning, for example, does a lot of writing for Halo. Um, and, like, it, I, I imagine he probably... And, like, Kevin J., Kevin J. Anderson, I believe, writes a lot of his own fantasy. Yeah. So, like, they're at the point where they don't... And I, it's not to say that the other authors need Star Wars to write. Like, I, to be honest, I know nothing about their careers, so I'm not going to say that. But, like, I imagine that they probably charge a lot. Uh, and it does seem like they do kind of want a new brain trust. I, I don't know why they want a new brain trust, um, but it seems like they do. Yeah, like, I think part of it's definitely money. I don't think there's like a fundamental opposition to working with them. Like we still yeah. see the occasional book by Zahn and by uh, Lucino, uh, but a lot of them are also older. So trying to establish mm -hmm. new name recognition with new authors is probably something. That's a good point as well. Uh, yeah. But, like, I'm not sure how much of it, how much of the author selection comes from Lucasfilm versus coming from uh, Del Rey. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like, the Halo books are published by Del Rey as well. So 
Like they've clearly got an ongoing relationship with Troy Denning. So yeah, I, I don't think it's impossible that we get another uh, book out of Troy Denning or Stackpole, not Alston. Um, yeah, sadly. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I guess. Yeah. And related to that, Lords of Arnor asks, with you guys finally getting the NJO, I was wondering why Timothy Zahn didn't write a book for the NJO. Was there some sort of contract issue? Was Zahn approached and he didn't want to do it? Or was Zahn annoyed with the way the invasion was going to go? Um, I don't know. I think I, I feel like I read an article once that made Zahn seem a little unhappy with kind of Del Rey after the buyout. Um, where, like, for one, he, he I guess he... Seemed, I'll have to read it because it was kind of I mentioned it last episode too and it was about him kind of trying to set up stuff for NJO in the Thrawn duology I, I don't really know why though um, he, he might he may just not have been interested yeah like especially with him having written the the setup <laughs> like he mm -hmm. I don't think there was necessarily an issue with him opposing the direction of the invasion arc in general uh, mm -hmm. it might've just been the partially a budgetary thing as well. But, uh, with him having just done the setup in vision of the future, they only had so many books mm -hmm. that you can reasonably do. And like, you want to have a mix of some of the authors that have already done it and some new names. Uh, I, I'd have to look into it more to know or to, to yeah. see, even to try to read between the lines of whether, yeah, it does seem like a shame, though. I've wondered that before. Because, yeah, like, Lucino wasn't even supposed to be writing any books for it himself. Like, he mm -hmm. was kind of supposed to take over for Del Rey as the arbiter of, or kind of like the overseer of what is Star Wars canon going to look like. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it, it's also possible that Zan was less inclined to be part of a bigger collaborative project yeah. like that. Because uh, yeah. he he was already with the Thrawn trilogy, kind of not thrilled with having to work within the confines of Star Wars in general, mm -hmm. uh, which he kind of got over a little bit. But when it's something that would be so directed by what other people are doing, uh, I think the bigger question there is like, why didn't they ask Kevin J. Anderson? Was it just... Uh, yeah. Yeah. But no. Good, good question. Who knows? Did James Lucino and Timothy Zahn get in, in like a, a fist fight? Maybe. I'm not saying they did. I'm not saying they didn't. But yeah, it's happen. Inquiring minds. Timothy wants to know. I've often wondered why so many di seemingly different ships fall under the MCA banner. Just looking at the Home One and the Liberty, these seem to me like fundamentally different ships. I know the Mon Calamari ships are supposed to be modular and configurable, but it seems like these are divergent enough from one another to be distinct models. So I was wondering if you knew what's common between them that isn't shared with, say, the MC90. Then I was wondering if the Viscount Mediator and Heavy Carrier had model numbers that were known. Well, the lore reason is that each ship is supposed to be different because they're like repurposed vessels. So it's like, um, I, I I know in canon they're like cities that were brought into space, but in Legends I'm pretty sure they're like they're cruise all repurposed liners cruise liners. Yeah, so I imagine like they're just different types of ships that were brought up to military spec yeah. through different equipment so it's like oh this is cruise liner type a from an out of universe perspective um 
it that wasn't always the case and i i don't know kind of why it, i imagine it was just kind of made the case for simplicity's sake yeah like the i think if you want to try to do it any universe rationalization of it the mc80 is like a catch-all term for the capital like, ship size yeah converted ones then mc80b i mean a like, certain standard yeah of yeah then mc80b was like the first attempt at a military version that's still kind of within similar yeah. ranges then the mc90 is like true dedicated warship that's going a step beyond uh with yeah. like attempt to involve non mon cal crews so i think that's kind of the, the way i look yeah at it. and it's also been i believe it's also been stated specifically that the viscount and others don't have a yeah. uh, don't have a, a number designation so uh i my ability to scroll through this google doc is broken for some reason get wrecked but khalil is asking i've often wondered why some or no that that was khalil i have i have messed up the pasting somehow so I've missed either Khalil's or Timothy's question. I am sorry. Uh, I will try to get that later if we can. We might not have time, though. Uh, oh, don't worry. Charlie accidentally put the thing an hour late. So. Oh, sweet. And I'm, it seems like he went to sleep because he's not answering <laughs> my messages. Uh, so I'm not <sighs> sure whether we just answered Timothy's or Khalil's question, but I'll try to get to the other email in a minute. Uh We'll go to Michael's question next, who asks, when is merch happening? If you could pick a Legends character to get their own solo book, who would they want to see get one? And who would you want as your wingman if you were a fire pilot? And what ship would you fly? Uh, that last one's easy. I don't know about the ship part, but we'd both pick Oral. Uh, <laughs> anyone who says... No, Oral, if I were, the wing, if I were in, in a bar and I needed a wingman. Oh. Um, I, I can't take anyone other than, than, than Luke, I think. No, you don't you want think? that. Because you're going to die. Yeah, who has the highest yeah. fucking attrition rate of wingmen in the entire series? That's a good point. Everyone just dies as soon as they're Luke's wingman. Dak doesn't even get to space. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, okay, so yeah, I'll take... But I mean, for realistically though, without um, you know being nerfed by being uh, Luke's wingmate, who do you think is the best pilot? Who's the best I'm sorry, pilot? it's gotta be a, it's gotta be force sensitive. Like I don't know. I do think, think it's... Wedge is still better than Corin. I don't know. Jaina. Jaina's easy. Yeah. Her wingmen Jaina. survive most of the time. Like Twin Suns has a relatively low attrition rate, even in the Vong War. Yeah. Or not Twin Suns, that's Luke's. Um Well, she's in Twin Suns. Oh yeah, she takes Twin over Sons. it. She yeah. takes over it. Yeah. Uh but yeah. Because it's funny because there's twins in it and the whole yeah. Well, Jason wasn't in it. Wasn't he in Twin Suns? He for was a while? in. I guess, like, yeah, it, it it changes a lot. Because aren't twins like an affront to Vong? Like, don't yeah. the Vong hate twins or something? Or like they've got the twins. myth of the twins? Yeah, don't they? Twin deities or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, because like twins aren't common for Vong. Like, what is this shit? There's there's two yeah. pairs of twins. Yeah. How are we supposed to win a war against four people? Yeah. <laughs> We're fucked. We're fucked. <laughs> So should should people have taken Luke saying he feels like he can take on the whole empire by himself as a threat? <laughs> yeah. You really want to fly with me? Because I'm feeling pretty good about flying alone today. <laughs> okay. Uh, for the fighter type, I mean A-Wing, because my squadron's time is really 
It was the best one to fly. Yeah, I mean, it's the most fun to fly, but... The, the A-Wing's not even meta anymore, so... Yeah, that's true. I mean, is anything meta also, right now? Also, my, my kid just woke up. Can you... Can you handle this for a second? Uh, no, I can't, but go anyways. Okay. Uh, okay, so the sorry, the question there, the the ship question was from Timothy, so Khalil's question was, uh, what you hope for in the new season of Bad Batch and in Kenobi? I hope to see this more of the secret cloning facility in the Bad Batch. I also hope another character arc for Crosshair and one for Echo. Last, I hope to see Obi-Wan and Anakin duel, along with Qui-Gon talking to Obi-Wan. I, I think most of the Bad Batch stuff there, you're probably safe on. You're probably going to get most, if not all, of that. Uh, they're definitely setting up what we assume to be Mount Tantus as a, a big thing. Uh, and then it'd, it'd be hard not to get more for Crosshair and Echo. Echo got so little, and then Crosshair is clearly still the big uh, the big thing that they're trying to deal with. I'm a little bit disappointed that they didn't get to more of a conclusion with him in Season 1. We'll see what happens there. I don't know if we're actually going to get a fight with Obi-Wan and Anakin. I feel like the the buildup is definitely there for that. But whether that makes the most sense for what's going to happen, I don't know. Because I feel like most of the Anakin stuff is either going to be uh, flashbacks or uh, seeing what a life or the life of Vader is like right now. And that like the Inquisitors are kind of there for the Obi-Wan duel. I don't know if uh, if the Obi-Wan Anakin confrontation is going to happen again. Like, maybe they will just because they have both of them. And why not? But I, I kind of hope it doesn't happen. But I feel like it's kind of like the, the whole Mace Windu returning conversation we had where if it does happen, <clears throat> then I'll probably enjoy it. But I hope for my own sake that I don't have to end up enjoying it. What's that? Uh, Khalil's question was about uh, what you want to see happening in the Bad Batch or Obi-Wan, if there's uh, okay. maybe a fight with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, seems like at this point there is going to be. I was kind of hoping there wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, it seems like, I don't know, do you think Obi-Wan has to appear to die? Like, I don't know, I... Don't know. I I, I just hope it doesn't happen. I'd rather leave it. At yeah, that. me too. Me too. Uh, so for Michael's two other questions there, if you could pick a Legends character to get their own solo book, who would you want to see get one? Hmm. Who would... I honestly like a Wedge solo book. I know he's in a lot of them, but yeah. it seems like in the Rogue Squadron books, he starts off often as like the the main villain, or, or sorry, the main hero, and then kind of Usually it will transfer to Corrin or somebody else. Um, I'd kind of like to see maybe older Wedge like planning a military operation or something that he's not flying in and him having to deal with that. I mean, that's, that's kind of what Rebel Stand and Rebel Dream are. Or... Yeah, fair enough. No, that's that's a good point. Um, we do get a good I, amount of I guess I was just thinking of like an I Jedi type of book. Yeah. Um, yeah, who else? Um, I don't know. Do you, who, who Who's yours? Uh, we kind of get a lot of the ones that I would have wanted. Like, we get a, a Mara book, we get a Jason book in Trader, uh, we get I Jedi mm -hmm. for Corin. Yeah. Um, I think I'm maybe like a Talon card book, like a dedicated yeah, Talon that'd be card good. book would be my number one that'd answer there. 
Yeah, but. that's a that's a really good call. And uh, maybe one of the bugs from Dark Nest. They deserved a bit more explanation or exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Find out what Lobaka was doing for the two years that he was banned by uh, by Lucasfilm Publishing. <laughs> Just jerking off with his uh, robot computer in his brain. And as far as when merch is happening, I mean, maybe a shirt or something when there's uh, yeah. better like actual branding for the show. So right yeah. now there's no real branding or logo or anything for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely something we could do. If y'all buy it, I'd buy one. Lord, yeah, I'd buy one. I'd too. wear one on the on the show. Yeah. All right, so we have circled back around to a second question from Joel, who asks, "Do you think the Legend expanded universe, especially post Endor, becomes more and more inaccessible post Phantom Era?" especially once you get to the Fate of the Jedi and Legacy of the Force stuff, and that there are fewer jumping on points. And do you think that when all is said and done, the Mandoverse may be in a weird way uh, what the Bantam era could have looked like if they had more long-term planning and overarching story behind it? Uh, I don't necessarily know if I see the Mandoverse connection there, but yeah, I mean, it definitely is harder to jump in when you're when every book for a year is like part of a you know, 11 book series or whatever. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I think they were probably trying to get back to something that required a little less background when they were going to go with sword of the Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. cause like crucible was almost tying up a lot of the ends of the plot lines and just kind of like starting fresh with Jaina as this new main protagonist and going into, uh, solving whatever the next issues are going to be with like her alana and still have all those characters around but less of the built-up 20 years of background lore of like okay this is kind of jason's story for a long time uh which obviously it's not jason's story in fate of the jedi but that's still a culmination of a lot of those characters a lot of those plot lines dealing with the fallout of like jason's death uh because jason dies at the end of legacy of the force and then fate of the jedi is kind of still dealing with a lot of that and like luke looking mm-hmm. into jason's fall with ben so i i think that was kind of they were almost looking to press a reset button there but we'll never mm-hmm. know because we're never going to read those books but i do agree yeah crucible is also funny because the main villains are like those big-headed aliens the Colomai. yeah and i just it's just like they're straight out of like looney tunes or something yeah there were a few questions uh, about like Riptide and Cross Current, which I don't feel equipped to answer right now, but we'll yeah, definitely get either. to those books and do bigger explorations yeah. of like mm-hmm. Crucible, Riptide, Cross Current, which are all three pretty weird. Uh, they're not directly yeah. connected. But I remember like Han almost gets Force powers in Crucible for a while. Yeah, it's very wacky books. All the clones and Cross Current and Riptide, like it shit gets shit gets off the rails for a little bit. Yeah. All the books around Fate of the Jedi end up. Like, Fate of the Jedi itself, like, Abeloth is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. They gotta, they end with, like, wanting to find the, the Mortis system. Yeah. Which is, like, kind of epic, but kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, so, there's also from Joel, do you think the post-Endor era of Legends got more cynical post-Bantam, especially with how many destructive wars, popular character demises, and, of course, the Empire being allowed back into power? Um... I don't really feel like it was cynical necessarily. Um, 
No, I, I don't think cynical is the right word. I just think, I, I think maybe there's a bit of overall kind of overall movement to kind of establish a new enemy. Yeah. Which is definitely what they did with uh, Del Rey. But like, just be, I don't think it's cynical because it's the Empire because there's, there's still wars even after that. It's just, there's different enemies. Yeah. Like I think the Empire rehabilitation stuff is the closest you get to cynical there, but the the main change is that they were kind of looking for more stakes than existed and more of a a serial element to it so like mm -hmm. with a lot of the bantam stuff there was the fact that yes you could jump in at any point but there's also kind of the assumption that by the end of the book nothing is going to have changed that's kind of the trade-off that you get like sure there's mm -hmm. a few characters they had introduced but fundamentally the galaxy looks very similar at the start and end of any of those uh, trilogies or book series. And like, yeah, Talon Card exists now. But even with them, uh, it's just these are the characters that were introduced in either X-Wing or the Thrawn trilogy. So they get to stick around. If they weren't introduced in that, good luck showing up anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are definitely, I think that is one of the things that might have kept Zan from wanting to uh, be part of uh njo because he definitely has said he prefers the other form like the lighter uh everything works out in the end and everything does kind of go back to how it was yeah and he was definitely opposed to, like killing chewbacca killing he chewbacca, said yeah. almost direct criticism of njo this way so it's probably not a a period he was keen to be involved in yeah no i totally um yeah that's a good point i hadn't i kind of had forgotten that quote um it just sucks because it feels like we could have gotten like Zahn's characters to to get a bit more action, but whatever. And plus, I think Zahn is the best at making new characters as well. Yeah. Um, like, I, I guess one crit. Well, the, I don't come out of the NJ. Well, I don't know. I guess that's maybe an unfair crit. I was going to say I don't come out of the NJO with a lot of new favorite characters, but I guess there are new Jedi and stuff who are introduced. Yeah, there's a lot of characters that were in other places. Jason that and kind the of... kids also get a yeah. lot of more play. Like yeah. the the Mercury Strike Team, other than like the um the ones who die and the Barabels get mm. well Tessar even comes out being a relatively decent scale character and there's characters like Silgol who've only shown up in relatively limited capacity before, who become mm. kind of front and center. Kent Hamner shows up a yeah. lot more. It's a lot of side characters that other authors wouldn't have played with that now mm -hmm. kind of get brought in and are able to be used throughout Dark Nest and Legacy of the Force, Fate of the Jedi. So, Yeah, I agree. It is kind of the first place that characters who aren't Zans get brought in more, or aren't Zans, Austins, or Stackpoles get brought in for wider use. Except for maybe Kip Durin, But I guess even he's only really mentioned rather than used. But yeah, good point. Yeah, Kip Durin really only comes up in other stuff to say, hey, didn't the Jedi Academy yeah. trilogy have some weird shit in it? Also, yeah. what about that kid who genocided the planet? So Yeah. No, you're right. Um, all right, do we have any more questions? Uh, no, those are the email questions. So thanks to everyone who sent those in. Uh, are there any... Maybe we can take a couple Let's from see, chat. Uh, we'll give chat a few any. minutes if you guys want to get any in, but... What, what besides for are you looking forward more to besides for NJO I guess is a is there one book or series you're really looking forward to I'm most interested in getting to the stuff that I either haven't read in a long time haven't read at all or is named traitor 
So <laughs> how about you? Are there, are there any books that are really standing out for you? Probably Legacy as a whole. Cause I, I really mm-hmm. like Legacy of the Forest and I guess I'm just looking forward to a reread. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to the Rogue Squadron comics as well. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess those would probably be my, probably be my, my main ones. Yeah. Like we talked about Scourge last week and that's one that like I haven't, I've never read it. So I'm kind of interested mm-hmm. to see how good it is. And we actually got a few comments on that, uh, saying like Scourge was actually pretty awesome. So I'm like, I don't think I got a single comment saying, yeah, Scourge was shit. So, uh, do you also want to see if there's any reviews yep, you want to pull up? I'm doing that right now. But the Old Republic ones are going to be an interesting one too, because like I haven't really read like the Revan books, and I've heard not great things about them. So mm-hmm. we'll see what that ends up looking like. Yeah, I was like, I kind of had wished I had read the Revan podcast the other day when I was like doing a video on Revan, and it was like oh, just a whole lot of shit. I couldn't talk about because i hadn't read it so i mean tor is uh a big mess for that as well but yeah and i just like my problem is i don't like tor yeah um like i just i can't get into it i wish i could but i can't um part of it is like honestly a big part of it's just the art style for me (laughs) yeah are you so? Are you looking more forward to Legacy of the Force than NJO and Fate of the Jedi? Like of the and I guess Darkness will throw in there. Like which of those four? What's kind of your hierarchy on what you're looking forward to most? Um, I, I said excluding NJO when I said which. I think I'm probably looking forward to NJO the most. Then Legacy, then Fate, and then uh, Swarm War is a pretty big dip, but. Yeah. Eh, you know, I probably mostly agree with that. Yeah, you said you. I, I really like Fate of the Jedi as well, though. So yeah, I don't know. They should all be pretty interesting. So Fate of the Jedi, I think I was reading mostly in class, like in university. <laughs> so I I don't have the most complete memory of it, uh, and I do remember most of that class. So I think it's one thing that's nice about Fate of the Jedi is. Um, it's all it's it's unabridged audiobook uh, so i can just listen listen to the audiobooks for that one which for me like i'm a pretty i'm pretty busy so that adds that makes things just kind of a lot easier for me um like it really because it's hard to sit down and like when i'm to, and doing nothing else for you know six ten hours however long i guess not ten hours but six yeah. hours but um with an audiobook you can do it while you're at the gym or when you're driving or whatever else so yeah uh let's see from the chat first question from obsidian or from shadow has one just above there yeah so shadow asks what legends plot hole can you think of that you want or plot hole you can think of do you most wish was or will be filled Sorry, plot hole for canon? Legends plot hole you most wish was or will be filled. Hmm. Can you think of any? I'm not usually too concerned about plot holes. Like I think the how does Corellia like how does Corellia rejoin the Galactic Alliance is kind of the biggest question I have. 
mm-hmm. but normally it kind of depends on how you define plot, plot hole, I guess. Because I don't think there's any huge outstanding questions of like, how did this thing that obviously should have been some other way that stands out for me from Legends? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of any plot. Like for me, the plot holes that I think of more than anything else would just be like... Um, things not being addressed necessarily or characters kind of disappearing like the where's Kyle Katarn during the the Yuuzhan Vong war like things like that but I I can't think of I mean obviously there are plot holes especially in the early books but none of them really stand out as bothering me to be honest yeah uh Obsidian asks which air is more interesting to you pre-Empire or after Return of the Jedi for me that's easily after Return of the Jedi I don't yeah there's some books like Med Star and everything that I I do really love but as a period, I just, I like post-Endor so much more. Yeah, me too. And I've always been like that. Like, even when I started reading as a kid, because I, you you know, you, you want to know, like, what happened after the movies. So it's like the idea, when I was starting out, that, like, there are books that have all my favorite characters that I don't know the story of is just very, was always very exciting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the next question comes from... May, who asks, how would fans have reacted to the story of the Disney canon post-Return of the Jedi stories had they been published in book form in the 90s? So I assume this is about specifically the the sequel trilogy rather than necessarily being about the uh, like books like Alphabet Squadron. I thought of one plot hole. What's that? Um, the fact that the Empire names their ships such like heinous names, like Corruptor. <laughs> Are we the it's like this is the This is the Eviscerator. This is the Genocider. <laughs> It's like this is the oppressor. This is the um, evil flagship or factioner. I would have liked. I would have liked somebody just to mention that. But uh, yeah. regarding, uh, I, it's just I don't think I can't. I've got no comparison point for if something like that would have happened. I think fan reaction would have still been kind of negative. I think because we do have a good comparison point on that, though. Chewy. No, we have we have Dark Empire. It's like Rise of Skywalker is sitting right there. <laughs> Yes, but there's one big difference. Um, What's that? The main three characters of the original trilogy weren't killed off in Dark Empire. I I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty big. I think that's like I think Luke Skywalker dying was like one thing that people had a big issue with, and. Well, I think it's a combination uh, of Dark Empire plus Chewie dying, where I think both of them over time have become things that like pretty much everything in star Wars that people have gotten more okay with, whether there's still people who really love it, still people who really hate yeah. it. Yeah. I just mean react. I guess I'm talking about like initial reaction. I think if, if a trilogy of novels had killed off yeah. Han, Luke and Leia in that order, I think people would have been very, very unhappy. Um, but if people had done Luke, Leia, then Han, we're all good. Yep. Yeah, would have been fine. It'd be like Luke, Leia, Han plus Jason. <laughs> like ultimately, the initial reaction to almost anything Star Wars is negative, pretty much. That's why Mandalorian was so nice. <laughs> yeah, like Episode Five had a lot of negative reactions at first. Even you know, I don't think that's true. I don't think I don't think the Force Awakens. Like there were people like the Force Awakens. People definitely had complaints about it, but I still think that movie was pretty well received. Generally, like, that- yes, but it was like. It was well received with the caveat of like, hey, this is very episode four. So it was like a very safe, well received. So it's. Yeah. But like that was a movie where like 
I felt like there was the biggest disconnect between like what people who care way too much about Star Wars on Twitter thought versus like what the average person thinks where like that was a movie where like if I talked to all my buddies or I talked to like my dad about the movie they were like yeah this is sick but like with See, The Last Jedi that's when like when I talk if I talked to my friends about The Last Jedi a lot of them you know thought it was dumb well this was and, like I wasn't very connected to the Star Wars fan base going into uh, Force Awakens like I was kind of not out on Star Wars, but it, like it, I wasn't anywhere near where I am now or where I'd been in engaging with Star Wars media like four years before. And mm-hmm. I didn't like The Force Awakens very much. None of my friends liked The Force Awakens very much. But mm-hmm. we all liked The Last Jedi more. And Yeah, I definitely didn't have that experience. But, I mean, that's just different experience. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there are I a few I saw The Force Awakens about. probably five times in theaters. Just like, because my friends would want to go see it. I saw or see it like, a second time. I I did see it initially on like a DVD or not a DVD rip on, uh, like a pirate. I mean, a totally Cam legitimate, version. totally legitimate. Totally, yeah, I bought it from this dude. Totally legitimate camera in the movie theater. Totally legitimate. No worries. <laughs> uh, from from George Lucas himself. He, he <laughs> yeah, he shared it with me. Yeah. Uh, but there there are a few questions in chat about like uh, reading specific books. But again. Kind of the answer there is just you know what, what Rogue One it. was also received well, yeah, and I think Rogue One, like Star Wars, was unbelievably hype in 2015. Like people don't realize how much money The Force Awakens made in North America. It's insane. Um, domestic box office lists. I don't know. Like, The Force Awakens is still one. Now, I will say there's a major caveat that's unadjusted. It's The Force Awakens earned more money in North America than Avengers Endgame, which is insanity. Like, yeah. people, like, that movie was like a, was, was like a cultural, like, it was like a big reset. For, it was exactly what Star Wars needed. Even adjusted, which is fairly insane, uh, The Empire, or The Force Awakens is still number f- uh, four. And that's behind Star Wars, E.T., Titanic. Yeah. And I imagine there are a few others that, like, aren't on the list I'm looking at because they're so old. But, um, like, that's crazy. And, like, the, the boon of that was, was so insane that Rogue One earned what? Like, one point... F- like, Rogue One earned over a billion dollars in the box office, yeah. which is insane. I think the proportional fall-off for the sequel trilogy, the prequels, and the original trilogy are all within a few percentage points of each other mm-hmm. like yeah. it, it stays I've pretty heard that consistent because uh, i did the math on that before because someone was trying to uh point out the the differences being so much bigger just because they were comparing the raw numbers rather than the the actual mm-hmm. percentages it's like it's it's a very if you want to argue against the sequel trilogy or whatever just don't use that argument because it, it doesn't the math doesn't support it like, there are other mm-hmm. reasons to criticize the sequel trilogy, but that that one is just mathematically false. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it also, is kind just of to, sorry to cover my own bases. I will note that when you will note when you adjust for ticket price inflation, The Force Awakens does drop a little bit as well. But yeah, I just wanted to mention because that's where Gone with the Wind comes in because tickets were like a nickel. <laughs> it is kind of interesting to think about like how different would Star Wars look currently if. Uh, if they had stuck with the movie direction rather than the show direction and how much that has mm-hmm. to do with uh, Solo not doing fantastic. Uh, 
Yeah, I really think they made the right idea, personally. I made the right choice, personally. Like, Um, I've always been kind of skeptical of the idea that, like, it was all movies all the time and then Solo doing slightly subpar killed it. I think maybe that factored in a bit, but, like, they were clearly... They already had uh, some experience with things working out a little bit better with Marvel. They were moving in that direction with Marvel. And... I think that... um, I think that the boon that um i think the boon that rogue one got is more significant like the like the boon that rogue one got from the force awakens being well loved is more significant than the drop off that solo yeah. got because i think solo's main issue is that it's just not a very interesting premise like yeah like i wasn't that interested to see solo um and i also think the movie itself like there's a lot of things i think that come together to make solo not very like palpable is that the word um palatable i don't know like Palpatine. it's it's a good movie but it's it's like it's filmed dark it's like it's not doesn't have the kind of the sense like i don't think it's got necessarily the big sense of grand adventure like most star wars movies do um and yeah i just don't think most people care about han solo's early life yeah like i i enjoy solo quite a bit for like other reasons of like just woody harrelson's in it it's a big factor and mm-hmm. uh yeah but i i never get the urge to watch solo i guess <laughs> yeah they um, it, it would be nice to start seeing star wars movies again but i think like marvel is kind of the proof that disney understands that both can work so i don't think it was like all movies all the time mm-hmm. and then solo was like pump the brakes on that like there were definitely some production issues with solo and yes with other projects that kind of gummed up the works a bit there but mm-hmm. yeah yeah i just i feel like um that's a good point i feel like there's something maybe some people just maybe i'm biased because i am such a star wars fan but i do feel like there's something kind of special about like star wars movies um uh, no I, I am being biased for me personally there's something special about star wars movies like it's such a spectacle like you know the crawl the music everything um and i i think that and just going to the movie the movie theater in general in general maybe it's just, this is just a movie thing overall um like it's just so exciting and so fun um and like the scale of it all uh and i yeah i think that's i i, I just hope we don't kind of run out of the movies yeah yeah like i there's still a few that we can be reasonably sure are in production like the rogue squadron movie is still coming Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason to believe that Taika's movie isn't coming. Uh, mm-hmm. there's been a few other rumors of some like other movies that have been in production. It's just one of the things with it is just that there have been so many movies that got announced so early when it's not mm-hmm. kind of the same situation as the Marvel stuff where they do have like a set goal going in where Star Wars is more like, oh, we could do a movie on this, 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 this. It's not the same. It's not directly comparable. So there's less reliance on one project working and the other not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, like, eventually there's going to be a Marvel movie about Iron Man. Eventually there's going to be a Marvel movie about Captain America. That's going to happen if Marvel exists as a franchise. But there's Mm -hmm. not necessarily going to... And, like, the director might change super early in production there. It's just with Star Wars, we got the announcement of, like, 47 movies like the day yeah. that someone had the idea to make a movie and it has led to the uh justified feeling of like okay why does all this star wars shit just keep failing and it's all just announced so goddamn early and like yeah. we're kind of seeing that with eclipse now 
Uh, yeah, totally. And it, it also leads to a feeling where, like, when, when they announce Star Wars Episode Seven, you know what's going to happen. So it's like you're excited about that the moment you hear it's announced. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, but with these new movies, it's like, okay, is announced Star Wars movie number 20 going to happen? It's like... The Boba, the Boba Fett movie was rumored a million times. There's these other movies that kind of are announced and disappear. I don't know. It's like, I just hope that they really nail whatever comes next. Yeah. Like, like I think it needs to be a movie that appeals not only to Star Wars fans, which I think was was Solo's problem a little bit. Like, even when you, when you like, people compare Solo to something like a Marvel movie, and, like, that's a bad comparison because Spider-Man is still Spider-Man. Like, people aren't watching it because it's spider-man at least only watching because it's mcu spider-man it's because it's spider-man everyone knows yeah. the character is um so i i hope even if they do go something like old republic or something else that appeals more to star wars fans i hope they do a good job of just kind of bringing the audience in yeah well um, i think even on that like the idea in 2001 that like people would watch an iron man movie would probably be kind of ridiculous like iron man mm -hmm. was not a huge name in superheroes really like yeah, no, for people fair, who were already marvel fans sure but it, like it was batman spider-man like superman i mm -hmm. i i could be wrong on that but i don't think iron man was that much of a household name uh yeah, that's fair and like robert downey jr basically saved the <laughs> preemptively yeah. saved the mcu on that i think mm -hmm. but uh for another question I, i'm sorry everyone i'm kind of skipping over on the who would win my dad or your dad in a fight kind of questions i don't think we have much interesting to say on 1v1 fights but yeah there's a question here uh is there a lightsaber battle that sticks out from any of the books either ones we've covered or ones we haven't as your favorite Hmm. That's a good. That's a really good question. Um. Lightsaber battle that sticks out. Honestly, the the one where Darth Bane takes on yeah. those Jedi is is good. Even though they've got the, the Athorian, one on Tython. Yeah, where the Athorians uh buffing his squad. Yeah, that one <laughs> sticks out to me as well. The Jaina and Jason fight in Invincible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one where Luke takes on all of the... Uh, the Slayers. The, yeah, the Slayers is really good. Yeah. Isn't it Luke, Jaina, and Jason, maybe? Yeah, like, Luke is fighting, like, 14 of the Jedi-killing Slayers, <laughs> which are, like, yeah. bred from Jedi. There's a lot of weird shit there. Yeah. Uh, well, Jaina is, and Jason are each kind of, like, struggling for other ones. Then Jason just goes and duels a Nimi and yeah. kind of becomes one with the Force. Yeah. There's some cool elements others. in that. Yeah, um, I think the um, the the one where Mara dies is pretty good, um, and Luke Luke and Leia versus Alima Rar and Lumaya is pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones, like some some of the earlier ones, maybe. Hmm. Like the Bantam, any Bantam era ones that really stick out. There aren't that many lightsaber battles yeah, in the books we've covered many. so far. It's really just like the Sabaoth showdown. Leia versus, um, what's his name? Uh, Beldorian. <laughs> Beldorian, yeah. Yeah, there we go. There, Yeah, there's not really many lightsaber battles so far. There's going to be more of them coming up, but... 
Corrin Horn's uh, father versus that yeah. Dark Jedi or grandfather? Yeah, grandfather versus yeah, the, the Dark Jedi. The Game of Thrones style one. Yeah, uh, we we do get Luke and Corrin taking on the Jinsari. Uh, I don't I don't really like that one very much. Yeah, yeah, I Jedi doesn't have the best uh, lightsaber battling, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's any others that I really really liked. I guess some of the stuff from Young Jedi Knights, like when they're in the Shadow Temple or uh, Shadow Academy, is is okay. But yeah, yeah, I can't really think of a whole uh... whole whole bunch. I think when we get to some of the other Clone Wars ones, there will be a bit more there too because we haven't really mm-hmm. done any Clone Wars books other mm-hmm. than MedStar and Revenge of the Sith, which Revenge of the Sith novelization has some pretty good lightsaber fights just then how it examines what uh what the people are doing but or their mental state but uh but yeah i yeah. think though that is about all the time we have for now because it we've gone on for quite some time but we are going to be doing some drunk streaming of i think mario party i'm not sure what we're yeah gonna i believe so tonight. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be in about twenty to thirty minutes. We're gonna yep. if get ready wakes for up, that. We'll if he is he dead? Well, we'll find out. He might be. Uh, but yeah, so thank you everyone for all your support in getting to these ninety nine episodes. We will be starting episode one hundred, and the one hundreds off with Vector Prime next week with our good friend Ilkin uh, mm-hmm. coming in to talk about a book that he's wanted to talk about for basically since he came on last time. Yeah. Uh, so exciting to get into that. Anything cool coming up for oh, you? Oh, we'll have that. We'll have uh, episode one of the Halo show to talk about. Actually, no. We yeah. Well, it'll be coming out. I don't know because it's on the it's on the there's the Paramount Plus fucking another goddamn subscription network they want me to get. I but that comes have out next it Thursday. Already. Oh, do you? Oh, what do you I've been watching for? Survivor with Fire my Rescue? friend for like oh, four okay. years, but we take ah, like months off. So I try to cancel mm-hmm. it, but the cancel subscription doesn't work. Ah, oh, so, that's what they get you by not allowing you to cancel. <laughs> yeah. So be careful when you're uh-huh. signing up for that. There's nothing on it. Like, I've never seen a streaming service that you have to pay for that is so fucking barren of content. It's basically like Spike TV, right? Isn't Paramount uh, like Spike TV partially? I I think we get Spike TV through something else, though, in Canada. I get it. Through, I get it through cable. But so, like, I'm I'm old. I've got, I've got cable. <laughs> like, it, it might be a thing where Paramount Plus has more stuff in the states, and we only get like less than forty shows on it. Yikes! And you don't even so get all I'll the be, Survivor seasons. I'll be torrenting that. I mean, I'll be uh, I'll be watching it. No, with I'm George not even Lucas's gonna pretend. Footage. I'm not even gonna pretend. I'm gonna torrent it. <laughs> Come at me, Paramount Plus. Paramount. Someone someone did uh, try to suggest that we go on a Star Wars celebration panel, but there's no way we're getting asked to do a panel. Ever. Oh God, no! Individually, maybe, but not as tap calf trans. I have a, I got invited to do a panel this year, but I don't think I'm going to go. Um, but I was invited as part of somebody else's panel, so I okay. doubt. I've applied for Star Wars Celebration before, and they've rejected me. I might apply again this year, just just for shits and giggles, just to see whether. <laughs> Whether all my Marvels or Star Wars is complicit in Marvel's comic book art tracing has gotten me on their shit list. <laughs> we just, we're renegades. We say it like it is. 
They're exposing the Akbar Winter retcon. They're not allowed on. <laughs> this is the most protected Star Wars secret. Yep. All right. Yep. All right well, we're being silenced by Disney right this moment. Oh, so, it's a mouse. It's a- 